Are you a fan of fantasy novels? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog The Magnificent Show? Start the clock! And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here as always. A Thursday afternoon show. It's a kind of a, a strange feeling here today on, on Long Island where I am today. Not sure if it's uh, going to get colder and snow more or it's going to uh, warm up. It's in between not knowing not knowing where the weather is going here. I hope it's a beautiful day wherever you are. We have another edition of Meet the Author today, and we're going to be uh, discussing the genre of supernatural thrillers, so uh, something I'm sure you'll be interested uh, in learning about. Uh, And if you don't know the author, I'm sure uh, this will be something that will interest you, and you will get to know the author. Um, Before I bring her in, to briefly talk about my sponsors uh today's program and before i even talk about the sponsors i want to say this if you are one of these people like me (laughs) who is absolutely sick of the sponsorship uh stuff at the beginning and the end of the program there's a workaround for you we've come up with a solution it's called patreon (laughs) and there are three levels to the patreon membership but at the first level which is simply one dollar a month you can get all the content completely ad-free. No ads at the beginning or end. We edit it all out, so it's a seamless uh, seamless presentation of the content without any of the ads in the front of the program or at the end of the program. So if it's uh, a distraction for you to have a minute and a half of this at the beginning and a minute and a half at the end, $1 a month gets you out of that. Go to the Patreon page, and please don't let... We just uh, launched a thing. Don't let any of my family or friends become the first to subscribe to my Patreon page. So please, I urge you to check that out if you are anti-advertising, as uh, most people probably are in, in today. Well, we used to cable uh, television, ad-free movies, ad-free content, and ad-free podcasts. Why not? So uh, that said, today's program is brought to you by audiobooksnow.com. Now, audiobooksnow.com, I guess you can... Uh, you can probably guess what they sell. Yes, audiobooks. Yes, that's right, audiobooks. And you also know that uh, audiobooks, you probably can get them just about anywhere on the Internet now. So why audiobooksnow.com? Well, the answer is simple, price point, price point, price point. Audiobooks Now Club pricing plan is simply the best deal on audiobooks you'll find. It offers the savings and flexibility not found anywhere else with their save-on-everything discounts, rollovers, exclusive offers, loyalty program, incredible selection, and cancel-anytime policy. It simply cannot be beat. Plus, get a free premium audiobook on select titles. Uh, start your 30-day free trial right now when you click the link that's in the description. It's normally $4.99 a month. It's absolutely free to try for 30 days. If you're not happy at any time during that 30-day period, but I know you will be happy. But if you're not, you can just cancel at any time in that 30-day period and not be uh, charged a penny. It's a great deal if you uh, appreciate the convenience of audiobooks. Uh, audiobooksnow.com club pricing plan is what you should be checking out. I do appreciate you patronizing them. Audiobooksnow.com. The link is in the description. Today's program is also brought to you by FunWise Capital. FunWise Capital is a, a business lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. Wait a minute. Did he say start? I'm trying to read his lip. Did he say start? Yes, he did say start. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan uh they can help you get funding get the best funding you can qualify for the strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation they have hundreds of five-star reviews on google trustpilot facebook and an a-plus rating with the better business bureau they provide unsecured lines of credit at zero percent interest for nine to 15 months unsecured term loans loans based on income short-term gap funding or bridge loans they work with real estate startups as i mentioned franchises restaurants any kind of business any kind of project to get started with them it's really simple you just go to apply apply a-p-p-l-y dot uh funwise.com slash mind dog apply dot funwise.com slash mind dog the links in the description to make it simple for you i do appreciate you patronizing 
Unwise Capital. Now, on to Meet the Author. Um, J.P. McLean is a successful author of seven books in the genre, genre of supernatural thrillers, urban fantasy, paranormal, or magical realism. Her latest is called Wings of Prey. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in J.P. McLean to the Mind Dog TV podcast. J.P., welcome. Thank you. Very nice to be here, Matt. It's very nice to have you. I know we're, we seem to be having some delay issues. StreamYard has been a little weird this uh, this week, but I just want to assure the people uh, on the live stream version that by the time the audio version launches tomorrow, we will be able to edit the, the little gaps in the delay out, so it will be a seamless program. Now, thank you for coming. Um, can, you, can we start by uh, defining... Uh, the the genre supernatural thrillers, urban uh, what what is what did I say a- urban fantasy and uh, pa- magical realism. <laughs> can you can you define the genres? Yeah. Uh, what I would, I think that I I can. Um, the the one common element to all of those um, genres is that there is an element that's fantastical, something that is. Uh, clearly not possible. Um, Vampires, flying, werewolves, uh, one element at least that is completely not realistic. And that's the part I find most interesting. Well, uh, I I thank you for that description. Now, I would say that uh, probably half the audience of my eight o'clock show would would just take uh, exception to your your claim, clearly not possible, because they believe in all those things. Um, <laughs> so, I, I want to ask, where does your interest in those things come from? Uh, the things that we can't explain. Well, I'll put it that way: not not impossible things we can't explain. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I suppose I, I I remember a very early influence of mine. One of my teachers on in when I was in grade school put on our reading list the Chrysalids by John Wyndham, and I remember thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to read someone's mind and communicate without speaking, just using mind power to do that? And um, I also want to be able to fly when they have personal aircraft, when, when that aircraft becomes something that we can buy, I'm going to be first in line. I want to, you know, just lift up and take off down the, down the coast. Um, you know what, when I was a young boy, this is, I was, uh, I don't know, fascinated or, uh, obsessed with, I had recurring dreams of flight that didn't require, um, an airplane. <laughs> I mean, flight, but it was never the, to the point where I would go like, if it fly as high as planes, I, w- I could fly like 10 feet above the ground, but I was obsessed with it in a recurring dream. But it was something I've always thought, uh, you know, why is, why is flight impossible? And, and the, uh, the idea of it was, has some, has always fascinated uh, me with it. Now, was there any time that, uh, in your life where, I don't, you know, I know it's a little bit of uh, some people feel embarrassed to even say that. that you believed in any of the things that you write about to any degree at all, like the possibility? Because I noticed you said impossible, and we do have people who uh, are open-minded to just about anything. Did you ever believe in any of it? I suppose I did when I was younger. I remember uh, on really, really windy days, I'm from Toronto originally, and the wind would just be howling and I would race against the wind with my arms out, just hoping to lift (laughs) off. So I guess I did at one point believe in that. I too have had dreams my whole life. And when it came to writing, I thought, well, I'm gonna take that one scene that I have of you know lifting off and I'm gonna write that into a scene. And I did, and that's the germ of of this series of books. It comes from my dreams of flying that I wrote down, and it became this this wonderful series. Right, and uh, I'm going to start by apologizing again to the audience because I promoted this, and if you looked at the 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 artwork that that promoted this program, I had Secret Sky as the book we were going to be talking about, thinking that that was the last book. That's actually the first book in the series, correct? It is. It is. Okay. It and is today, today we're going to be talking about Wings of Prey. But I, uh, with all these series, I kind of 
and I'm, I'm wondering how you feel about this. I recommend people go back, even though you have a, a latest book out now called Wings of Prey, and we'll talk about that. Uh, I recommend people start at the beginning with the series. Do you, do you agree? I do. I do. And this one in particular, because I think in the very first book, that's where the magic gets explained. Right. You know, if you start uh, in the second book, it's, you're already flying. Right. Uh, and the first one has, I don't want to, you know, it, it's always tricky to talk about books, tease them so that people are interested in them, but not give too much away that they don't need to buy them or read them anymore. <laughs> so, But it's uh, fair to say that the first book is where uh, the idea of flight, Secret Sky, that's where, where that gets introduced, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the way that it happens is... Um, the way I imagine it would happen if you didn't know you were able to fly. So this woman falls from the sky. She keeps losing gravity and right. in the most inconvenient times. And it's not until she lands in the hospital that she um, figures out what she is because the doctor who treats her recognizes a second lens in her eye that marks her as one of them. Oh, one of them. Uh, you know, that, that, that's a phrase I bring up because I have all kinds of people on, on the program, especially the 8, 8 p.m. edition. And whenever I have conspiratorial-minded people, the, they always uh, blame them. And I always want, who are them? I want to know who they are. You know, I need people to kind of explain that to me. So that, that interests me. Uh, but um, in my recurring dream as a young boy with the, the gift of flight, it was always spontaneous too. It's like I, I didn't, had no idea where it came from <laughs> in my recurring dream. So getting, uh, and this, your, the entire series follows this uh, character, Emma Lynn, right? Am I correct in that? Yeah. So yes, that's right. Uh, um, and the doctor. Okay. When you're developing characters, I think this is of interest mostly to aspiring authors and, and uh, your colleagues who are also authors. When you're developing characters in a uh, supernatural thriller or a, a, a fantasy, uh, is that an extra challenge or is it it's just free reign? You, you can allow yourself anything is possible type ideas. Where, what is the process for developing characters in, in that realm? I think for me, because I set my stories in the here and now, uh, they're contemporary, they, they happen in, in 2020 or 2021, um, the characters just have to be realistic. So they have to uh, be planted firmly in this world. So they have jobs, um, they uh, have friends, and, and the, the ability to fly is a hidden ability. So it's not like they're sharing that with anybody other than their uh, regular friends or, or their flying friends. But I think the one thing that you, you could do, you could fall into the trap when you're developing a character of giving them too much goodness and too much power um, so that they don't have any faults or they don't have anything that can trip them up. And that would be the one caveat is just not to make them too powerful. I think that's the key to any story. You know, last night on the program, we were we were dissecting the classic film, The Apartment. And Adam Lippy, who was uh, the film historian and former film critic that I uh, co-host that show with, uh, we were talking about the character that Jack Lemmon played. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, he, he brought up the fact you know, we weren't sure if Jack Lemmon was a good guy, an opportunist, or... Uh, but there, there's always that with with strong characters and with strong stories there's always this um complication of characters where nobody's pure good nobody's pure evil nobody everybody has um a good side dark side uh, to one degree or another and i think that's important in carrying a story along do you agree oh absolutely yeah if if there is no uh negativity or no no complication then it's just boring Nobody wants good girl all the time or, you know, it's just not interesting. Uh, but but there, there, there is a challenge and I, I would I'm guessing at this. Um, so if I if I'm wrong, don't 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 have any hesitation to slap me down and say, no, you're wrong about that. But there, I, I would think there is a challenge with and if somebody's like the hero of your novel, I don't know, hero, 
you know, uh, for for lack of a better word, the the protagonist. <laughs> um, it's hard to keep the audience rooting for that person if those faults become too pronounced. So there's a challenge on, on keeping them uh, informed that the faults exist, but not accentuating them too much. Am I correct in that? Yeah, I think so. You you have to have a, the character has to be likable. Uh, now, is that maybe not completely likable, but I, I go back to interesting. And uh, if they're, if they're constantly doing things that are uh, unpalatable, you're not going to want to, uh, you, you probably put the book away. Right. I would think anyway. So My characters, um, I... They're more like the main uh, protagonist is, um, I would say, naive. And that that's her big downfall in the first book. She's also not very physically fit and she needs to be if she's going to be flying. So, I mean, they're not m massive negative aspects. Right. Do you introduce humor into uh, because it would seem to me uh, because I am silly by nature, somebody who finds themselves flying unexpectedly would be ripe for at least a few jokes or some uh, something that kind of uh, inject a little humor in there. Is there that in, in the, in your books? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a pretty big funny bone, so I do put things in there that are, are humorous and uh, you know, like a low level sarcasm uh, because it's happening and she can't do anything about it. And it's like, Oh, you know, <laughs> she in the very beginning when she can't figure out why she keeps losing gravity and she can't she can't control it she ends up carrying cans of soup around in, in her pockets and, and that's not heavy enough eventually and so then she has to get a knapsack and she ends up carrying cans of uh remember those little big cans of uh, tomato soup or tomato juice and so then she's yeah. carrying this knapsack around and she's always trying to keep herself on the ground she takes the dog for a, a walk and she starts floating up and the dog takes off and she gets whipped around a tree and <laughs> banged up and lands on the ground and she has she has some funny moments yes yeah she needs to start shopping at costco rather than the regular uh grocery store and <laughs> costco is not a, a sponsor by the way it's just that's just me being silly uh so <laughs> talk to me about um it's different for everybody and i know this probably seems like oh what a cliche question everybody asks that in every interview i'm not sure everybody does of authors but the process of putting a story together for you um now, because this is a series, I'm imagining, uh, and again, if I'm wrong, you just say I'm wrong, but I'm imagining the first one, you probably had an idea for the whole story before you even sat down to write a word, or am I incorrect? In, in oh, that? you're wrong, Matt. You're wrong, Matt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, believe it or not, that's happened before. No. <laughs> once, at least once. Just once. Yeah. Um, no, actually, for me, uh, I I didn't sit down to write a book. I that was a surprise. I sat down to entertain myself on a uh, the first of what would be many wet, wet, cold, uh, rainy days on the west coast, and I had been away for five summers uh, with my husband. We'd been traveling. We'd spent two years in Mexico and three years in Tucson. And we were home and unpacked and knew we were going to be spending the entire winter. And I had to do something. I thought I'd go stir crazy if I didn't have something to do. So um, I had been reading a ton of uh, urban fantasy and um, just loved the idea that wouldn't it be possible? This would be such fun if you could actually do this. And then, of course, I, I've been having these dreams since I was a kid. So I wrote one scene. I, honest to God, didn't think I had enough of an idea for a book, but I wrote wow. that one scene and then I thought, like it was, it was, I just looked out my window. I live, I have, a, I live on the ocean. So I, I'm, not, I'm the luckiest person on the planet, I think some days. And I thought, well, if she just leapt off the deck and went down the coast. So that's, that's the scene I started with. And that scene isn't even in the final book, but I started with that. And then I thought, okay, now let's get practical. And so practical is, how does she learn that she can lose gravity? How does she learn she can fly? Is this a gift? Is it innate? 
Um, was she born with it? How, how did this happen? And so then I started just building out on either side of that scene and I became absolutely obsessed with it. And it, so I could total pantster, which means I didn't have a plan, didn't have an outline, didn't have any idea, but I ended up with this book. <laughs> I say book loosely because back then it wasn't quite a book. It needed a lot of work, a lot of edits. Um, but I sent it off to a developmental editor just to see if I had anything. And she wrote back and she said, absolutely, this is, this is golden. You're, you're doing good. So I, I took it and I took her suggestions and it, I probably rewrote the whole thing. Oh, at least a dozen times. Um, and I, I really surprised myself. And when I finished it, I didn't know what to do with it originally, but I couldn't get those characters out of my head couldn't get them out of my head. So I started writing a second book, even before the first book was out, I started writing another one with the same characters. And I realized pretty quickly that I had way more material than uh, just one book. So I thought, well, this would be a trilogy, I'll put, I'll do three books. So I wrote the third book. And by this time, I had put the first one out, I had indie published it. And, um, and then I thought, oh, I can't stop. So then I, um, I did the fourth, and the fifth and uh actually actually when i finished the fourth book i put another one out the the one that's the seventh called lover betrayed and that is actually the first book written from a different character's perspective and gotcha. then when i finished the series i thought I just could not believe it. But the further along in the series I got, the more outlining I had to do because it got complicated. I had to remember a lot more. So I created this what they call the Bible, you know, all the characters and when they were born and you know what their abilities were and when they got them and who knows who and so that's how it came about. It was not planned at all. Well, it's it, thank you for that. It's a, that's a, an extremely interesting story, and you're right that I was wrong about how you began, but I was right in that it's very important to ask that question, especially for aspiring writers, because I'm, I'm right about the fact that, and you've just pointed it out, that it's different for everybody. And I think that's why I asked that question, because I want to I wanna let aspiring authors know that there are no rules about how you get into this and how you get out of it and how it comes to you. It's different for everybody. And that's the first time I've heard any story like that, that you weren't expecting to write a book at all when you first sat down. So I, I think that's important for aspiring authors to hear. Now, I, I have to ask this. Uh, um, so you weren't expecting to write a book. Uh, you Did you have aspirations of being an author at any time, like in your early development? Did you think it's someday I want to be an author or this is a whole new life that you had not foreseen for yourself? I did. I, I remember uh, in Toronto, I remember slogging through the slush in the snow on my way to the bus to get to the subway to get downtown thinking, God, it would be nice to stay in my jammies all day and drink coffee. <laughs> and I think writers can oh, do that. Thank you. <laughs> so thank, thank you for I do remember thinking that would have been a terrific career, but I <laughs> never thought I would have a big enough idea to write a whole book. And so it was always kind of simmering on the back burner, but nothing I ever took seriously. And I was so thrilled to know that I didn't actually had to have an idea big enough for a book to write one. Because the more you write, the more your imagination thinks of new things. And next thing you know, you've got an idea big enough for a book. Right. So um, are the people in your life, um, have they have they changed uh, how they uh, are with you because you are now JP, the author, instead of jo Joanne, my wife, Joanne, my friend, Joanne, my cousin, my sister, whatever. Uh, are you now JP, the author? Do they treat you any different? Do they are they surprised by this? What's what, what effect has it had on the relationships in your life, if any? <laughs> uh, well, it hasn't had a, a huge impact because um, the it's funny the people who are closest to you don't take you seriously ever 
<laughs> I know that. Really matter. You're always just Joanne. Um, and 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 I didn't actually tell anyone for the longest time that I was writing. Uh, my husband didn't know for probably three months. He just kept looking over saying, what are you doing? Why has got you so fascinated with your computer? Because normally I wouldn't be on it all the time. And, and when I finally shared it with him, I think it was, um, I think he was quite proud that I had done that. And my family is quite, quite proud that I have, I have done this. Uh, but for the first little while, I think they were more just cautious. They were treating me um, uh, as, as if they were afraid for me, like afraid right. that I was going to get crushed. Um, right. Don't they don't want your heart getting got, broken yeah. by rejection. I get that. I get every every artist uh deals with that and sometimes uh and it's important for for people who are in the creative arts to realize this. When you're uh you have to take what your what the people in your life give you with at least some idea that they're concerned about you. They, <laughs> they're not being negative. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it can come off as negativity, but they're just concerned that I hope, I hope you don't get crushed by this because the minute you get a dream, people start to worry. Well, most dreams get crushed and we don't want to see, we care about you. We don't want to see you get your heart broken. If this doesn't pan out, uh, the way you you were envisioning it but i think the the um the cure to that is to let people or the the way to deal with that is to let people understand that uh why why you're doing it and what you really hope to get out of it and if you're looking to get rich and famous that's probably a bad motivation and that's when they should be concerned but if you're doing it just because it's in your spirit and it makes you feel good about what you're doing and you have this need to be creative in some way i think that and you explain that to them it becomes easier for them to become more supportive yes <laughs> yeah 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 i had a really interesting uh, uh experience with my mother through this process and um Normally, when um, when she would introduce me, uh, she would in, she would say, uh, "And this is um, and this is my daughter Joanne." You know, when you're in a crowd, this is my daughter Joanne. You go go for lunch somewhere. This is my daughter Joanne. Well, the first time I did a reading in the library where she lived, she was at the back of the room, and I heard her saying, "I'm her mother. I'm her mother." <laughs> <laughs> and it was a it was a moment of pride for me that she was identifying as, yeah, not that's yeah. my daughter. I'm her mother, and that was really fun. That's got to be a great feeling, you know. And uh, if people have never experienced that, I, I remember the first time uh, my my and this it was very late in life for me. I was performing for 45 years before my mom came to see me at a a, a VA show. Uh, I was doing for for vets, disabled vets, and, uh, and and she was walking around bragging. And I remember feeling very proud that my mother was finally proud proud that I was a musician rather than trying to you know he's just a musician that kind of stuff, which went on when I was playing rock clubs my whole life and all that kind of stuff. But the minute she saw me giving, uh, and she became extremely proud and, and bragging about me, and that that was a incredibly um, satisfying feeling. So I. I I can relate to what you felt at that moment. Um, so that's the first book. You didn't expect to write the first book, but then by the time you were on the fourth book, you you knew you were onto something. <laughs> um, so at this point, uh, is the series like never ending in your mind, or or is there something new that you know, do you have any inclination to go to explore something else with with the writing, or are you gonna? Or is your plan to just stick with this and you'll know when the train reaches its destination, I guess? Well, Wings, Wings of Prey actually uh, is the end of the series. But I say end. I did leave some trap doors in there that I can open if I want to. But I did feel like it was time for me to move on and write something else. And I actually, when I wrote the uh, book that was The uh, Lover Betrayed, which was Secret Sky written from a different character's perspective, that process I wrote from a man's perspective so that was the first time I'd written because um, I write first person so the first um, all the books are written from Emmeline's first person perspective so from a woman's perspective and when I was writing Lover Betrayed it was fun to write from a man's perspective 
and I realized that I needed to to do something different. So when I finished Wings of Prey, I actually have um, written a new book. It's a completely different series with different characters, and I'm out shopping it around right now with agents. So I'm hoping to get some representation. But right. Wings of Prey stop like that was that's the end she achieves her main goal uh she becomes the strong independent woman she was meant to be and um she settles with one of her lovers <laughs> one of probably them. the best one so so yeah. she's promis- <laughs> she's, she's promiscuous <laughs> or was, or she was before fun. she's Okay, uh, I have the book cover uh, up, but again, uh, you know, this is the last book. I recommend uh, if you're going to get involved in the series, might as well start with the first one, which is Secret Sky. The link to to uh, JP's Amazon page where you can buy all the books there uh, is in the description, as well as a link to her website, which has, if you're opposed to Amazon, she has a, a page on her website and the link is in the description jp mclean author um dot com and you can buy them from alternate sources other than amazon but we we did provide the link to the amazon if you don't have a problem with making jeff bezos a little more money um uh, i will pull that down now uh writing from a man's perspective um you say it was enjoyable how do you know you got it right <laughs> do you check with your husband? Do you, I mean, how do you know you get the man? I do. Okay. <laughs> well, I I had to actually ask quite a few questions from the man's I, perspective. I bet it's different. I, right? I, uh, it's totally different. I and I, uh, you know, I I talk about that all the time on the show, like trying to get into the mindset of a woman and in, in, for me would be impossible firstly because i'm totally confused by every woman i've ever met but they're also different so and, and you know and the roles of men and women have changed so much in my lifetime that i don't know how anybody thinks anymore so all i can really write if i is my own perspective it and so i, I would think that would be very difficult <laughs> to, to, One of the funny things is is when you're describing things, um, like a a woman will say, oh, like she'll she'll mention a color like chartreuse or uh, maroon. (laughs) And the guy says red, green. Yeah, right. (laughs) Some of those things are. And men want. At least from my perspective, with with all the relationships I've had, men want simple, direct uh, conversation and women want to dress it up with a lot of adjectives. And I used to say that about my ex-wife all the time. Like I'd ask her how a day day was and she'd say, well, the sky was a lovely shade of blue and uh, the flowers were, were, I don't ask how your day was. It was good. (laughs) <laughs> uh it's it's hard to understand the opposite sex it definitely for me anyway it's been a challenge um so um the the book uh lover betrayed now is not part of the series but um uh, it does it still contain the same um plot line oh not plot line but um idea of the same characters gifts i'm gonna call them gifts are they gifts or curses yeah yeah <laughs> No, no, they're yeah. gifts. Um, it, it is actually, it's it's what I call a companion book because it doesn't carry the plot further. It just retells the story. So what I did was I took the first book, Secret Sky, and I, I took the, the main character and her lover and I stripped out any uh, scene that those two people weren't involved with and all the rest of the dialogue went. And then I rewrote it. So when you talk about the male and female perspective, um, if you could possibly misinterpret uh, something, then that's what I did with that. I, I made it so that the, uh, because the character turns out to be not such a nice guy in the end, and um, I knew what his motivation was, but no one else did. So I thought, well, I'll write the book so people know why he did what he did to, so that they know what motivated him to be such a, a nasty guy in the end. And uh, that process was hugely fun um and it it got you know the the male female women want to make things more complicated things are more complicated for women 
So yeah. um, what I did was I stripped out that complication and so that when you read the first book in light of that lover betrayed, you realize that she's interpreted things completely different than what he's intended them. And uh, and that's what causes her to to be so badly misled in the end is she just does not see uh, life the way he sees it and the events uh, that she thinks are happening are not the events that are really happening in his world. Right. Um, the, well, that's, uh, the supernatural part is now um, kind of understood. Why I understand why, the, why it's supernatural, but the thriller part uh, is still uh, kind of uh, needs to be explained a little bit. Because thriller, um, I almost think thriller is kind of tied to a mystery, but it's it, in, in some in some sense, it's something to be afraid of the mystery. And I probably have, I probably am describing that in a bad way, but is it, where does that, the thriller aspect of this come in? Is it trying to solve a mystery? Is it uh, worrying about the bad guy, the wolf at the door? What is, where does the thriller come from? Probably wolf at the doors is the best explanation. So there are people that are going missing people that, uh, one fellow in particular, he comes back, he's been kidnapped, he comes back, he doesn't know where he's been, but he knows that he's been tortured, he's missing an eye, and the will to live, and he ends up offing himself. And so these flyers, this group of flyers, uh, people are being picked off. And they know that the government knows they exist, and they know that organized crime knows they exist. So they're trying desperately to keep their existence secret. So when people go missing, uh, the covey comes, the group of flyers call themselves a covey. It's a, it's a bird term. And so this covey gets together and they train together to be strong. They, they fight, they learn to fight. They, Emmeline has to learn how to use a gun and they use paintball games to train themselves. And, la and later that turns into laser tag, uh, which is how they, and they do it in the air, which is, that was fun. <laughs> um, so the thriller element is they know people are after them. They know people uh, are missing. Friends of theirs are missing. And and her lover at one point gets taken. And, um, and of course, she gets taken a couple of times. Uh, so that's the thriller element. There's, uh, there's, there's, the, it's suspense and it's mystery. And you want to, you want to know what's going to happen. You're on the edge of your seat. That's the thriller. Right. Well, uh, it seems to me now, uh, it sounds, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you were uh, pretty much successful right off the bat, at least in, in getting uh, support from professionals in the business to say, yeah, you're onto something here. This is a good book. Keep writing. Or uh, I think a lot of people hearing this, a lot of aspiring authors, uh, either jealous or not understanding because most of them struggle very hardly to get anybody to read their first book. It seems like you've got some success right off the bat. Am I am reading that correctly? Um, qualified success. I did. I mean, the first version of the book was not what you read today. So, uh, you know, I feel sorry for the people that, that read that first version, but I had some very, very solid advice from my husband's brother. He was an editor at um, one of the papers up in Vancouver and he read it and he said to me, uh, you need to talk to an editor. You need to get this looked at by somebody professionally because it's not quite there yet. Uh, but he thought it had some potential. And so that's what I did. And if it weren't for getting the input from professional editors, it would not have been anywhere near the book it is. So I really give credit to uh, my first editor was Nina Muntianu, and she actually took me through uh, the whole series. And I learned more from her about the craft of writing than uh, I I learned all, all through my schooling and, and through reading. You pick a lot up through reading, but man, that editor, that's, that's the key. What an excellent point. Uh, and even before you got to the editor who finally edited in your book, your brother-in-law who um, was supportive enough to, to tell you that you need to uh, get an editor and, and have this, uh, have some professional help here, but not, 
uh, so critical that he killed your dreams. And I think there's a that, that's really the key in a lot. And sometimes that can be the key to really the difference, make the difference between success and failure is if that person in your life is overly critical to the point where it dismays you from from pursuing your dream and going further, that can really crush your dream. So that that you're very lucky to have that person in your life who could give you solid advice without really crushing your dream. And I think for people, and I put this out there, not for you so much, but for the audience who are aspiring writers who might be experiencing that, um, it's important to get that supportive but strong uh, advice and not negative advice and sometimes, and that can make all the difference in the world, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, to this day, thank him for that. Cause he was very, very supportive. Yeah. Now I want to ask because your, your covers, uh, are intriguing. Uh, and I, it, it seems like a small thing when I ask authors about this, but it's, it's so true. The cliche, uh, you can't judge a book by its cover. But we all do. Every single human being judges a book by its cover. So I look at your covers and I think, well, they're all consistent, but they're all compelling. How much uh, do you get involved in that? Do you have any involvement in that or you just leave it up to the publisher to decide where is your uh, involvement in cover design and, and the, the whole book? Well, the, I, these books are indie published. So um, I publish them myself and through my own company, which is called Windstorm Press. And so I had to find a cover designer and the cover designer that did these is JD and J designs and they're out of Florida. And what they do is they send you a questionnaire to fill out. And so the questionnaire will ask questions such as, you know, who's the main protagonist and, and describe them, uh, summarize your book, give us a description summary of your book. Uh, and then they will ask you questions like, uh, give us examples of book covers that you like and give us examples of book covers you don't like. Uh, have you got favorite palette? Have you got a branding palette of colors? And so you go through this process where you, you give that information to them and they may come back and ask you some questions and they did. And, um, and they knew they were doing uh, more than one cover for me. So uh, they, they give you examples and you think, hmm, no, I don't like, like they give you three or four and then you pick one and you 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 narrow in on uh elements you like and you don't like it's a it's a process that you go back and forth and back and forth on and um and they did an excellent job and that first cover for secret sky it actually won um kobo are you familiar with kobo uh let's see here it's it's rakuten kobo it's a it's a ebook uh company um, and, and, and that first cover won the best, uh, fantasy cover, uh, the year it came out. So they clearly did a good job. Um, I'm trying to see where, here it is. I want to show, I mean, I can't show, there you go. Um, so that's what the cover, you. the cover you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And. They came up with a nice, um, I guess I want to call it style sheet because the fonts would stay, remain the same, the, the treatments stay the same. I know, I see they use that feather a lot for, for, uh, <laughs> very cool stuff, a very yeah. cool style treatment. So, um, and that's, I think that's important for aspiring authors, especially self, uh, publishing authors to understand that process because I don't think a lot of them go through what you just mentioned using that um, outside source uh, third party to design your covers who have experience in it and know what's know how to build a marketable cover a lot so many self published authors want to take it all upon themselves or I know graphic artists who can do this and then they they go by fly by the seat of their pants and then they wonder why uh, my books aren't getting really noticed nobody's really paying attention to them again it's cliche, but we do judge a book by the cover, and it's extremely important to get it right. So thank you for that. Uh, how did you go about finding them, uh, or did somebody recommend that? W what put the, the idea in your head that I need to get help with the, with the cover design? Well, um, 
I, I'm going to get into this. It's going to take a, uh, I don't want to take too much time with it, but I, I had other covers for these books originally and um, they weren't good enough. They weren't attracting the right readers and um, they, they just weren't good enough for, for the books. And so, and that was because I did hire a graphic designer who was a beautiful graphic designer um, and super talented but they weren't a book designer and they right. are two very, very different things. And so the, um, the process of finding JD and J was a series of things. So I looked at a number of book covers that I liked and usually, uh, the book cover designer gets acknowledged in the copyright page. So I found some that way. And I also um, follow Joel Friedlander who does a book cover awards contest once a month. And, um, they will in that uh in that blog post where they're uh doing the awards they name the people who design them and so i had about five or six and um companies and i approached all of them just to ask the question and the first thing that i learned was that the um <laughs> there's a time frame so you're not going to get your book cover designer to design your book next week. If right. they're any good, there's a waiting list probably of three months. So that was my first surprise. So that knocked a number of people out of the running. The ones that were uh, six months out, I, I didn't go with them because I needed it started within three months. And even that was tough. So I think I had it down to maybe three. And then I had very specific things that I, I wanted because I'd been in the business for a while. So I knew I needed uh, Twitter uh header i needed a facebook header i i wanted a linkedin header i wanted the artwork without any word on it because you use the artwork a lot in your ads for your advertisements and for um, various promotional things that you do i for example have a number of big banners that i uh, put up when i'm at an event so i needed that artwork for these banners and, and not everyone will provide that to you so um that that uh, and then I ended up getting a whole package. Even though I don't have an audiobook, I got an audiobook cover. I got an ebook cover. I got two different print covers because I'm with two different uh, print distributors. So when you look at all the things that you require and uh, the timeline you're dealing with, you you know I narrowed it down to two and I picked this one. I just really liked the work that they did and I'm very happy with it. Well, thank you for that. And I think it, that's, again, you're, you're full of important lessons for uh, aspiring authors. And I do appreciate uh, that you're adding value to those people because we do have quite a few of them in the audience. Now, I have to ask, it may sound a little self-serving, uh, why don't you have an audio book? <laughs> it's just the expense of it right now. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's expensive to do. So I, I, I know it is, yet, so. but they are... Uh, all the rage, as they say. Uh, I know uh, from many people, many of the authors I talk uh, to, the audiobooks, and it's, it's sort of a shame to even say this, but the audiobooks far outperform uh, the written books in many cases. Many of the authors I've talked to, as far as sales and stuff, uh, which again is kind of a sad statement on, on where we're at because. And, and I'm realizing I have an audiobook sponsor. Uh, I have to say that, and I've said it many times, and they don't seem to have a problem with me saying this. Uh, I do appreciate the convenience of audiobooks. I do. But there is not, nothing compares to the experience of sitting and reading a book for your own, uh, on your own, and, and having that experience happen between your own ears, your own customized or personal experience of the book rather than one that's being spoon-fed to you. Uh, so I do think there's a place in the world for both of them, but oh, that's my take on. Uh, so uh, I, uh, while I, I appreciate your um, stuff being out <laughs> in the written form like most books should be, <laughs> um, the audiobooks is is probably the way of the future, which sucks because people don't want to read so any that much anymore. Um, but do, does that occur to you in the writing process or how you move forward? That you know what, ten years from now, people aren't going to be reading anymore. 
Yeah, it's sad to think they aren't, but I can understand that the whole idea of uh, being able to read a book when you're commuting, not that many people are doing that anymore, but um, even on a long road trip, I, I often will go back to Ontario for um, for the summer and we've done lots of lots of road trips down the coast of Oregon and it's nice to have something going on uh, like an audio book in the background so it's I, it's definitely something I will be doing it's uh, just a matter of getting the money together it's not um, it's uh, for for if I just had one book I do it today but there's no point in having the first book available without having them all available and so right. six books is a lot more expensive than one book so it's just a matter of time and um and it'll happen it'll be out right. there well here's a question i ask a lot of authors too and people say well you know of course they're all going to say yes to that but somebody in one of the chat rooms uh is saying sounds like this would make a great mini series now um I don't know about miniseries. It'd be a full series if, if with six books. It, it's a full series. It's not, <laughs> but uh, uh, the idea of screenplays have you? Because it occurs to me that you never, never foresaw yourself becoming an author. Could you see yourself becoming a screenplay writer of your own books and 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 kind of adapting them for film? Oh, wouldn't I love them to be film? Oh. But I think every author thinks that their books would make a great film. But I've actually had some reviewers say that in the review that this would make a great film. I I looked into that actually. I I I started trying to write a screenplay, and one of the most difficult things about writing a screenplay is what to cut out, because if you've got a book that is uh, six or eight hours to read, and a movie is one and a half hours you got to cut a lot of stuff out. And as the writer of that book, it's, uh, it's hard to, to yeah. try to decide what gets cut. <laughs> so I, I don't know, I, I won't rule it out. But um, right now, I think it's a little beyond my skill level. Right. Uh, I, I agree with you. That is definitely the hardest part is what's essential to the story to make it more visual than than the uh, reading of the book where you're uh, even though it may be a visual book for, in terms of the imagery it creates in your mind it's still a narrative and you're listening to a voice in your head so to to make that adjustment from that narrative to what's really essential for a visual portrayal of this is a, a really difficult edit um, so yeah, I, I get it. There is software that that can help you do that though, and it's called there's uh, Final Draft, and I, I forget what the other one is called, but they're similar in that. So, uh, but I know I, I, most most authors would uh, love to see their books made into a film. But uh, the reason I brought it up is because somebody in the, one of the chat rooms said this just from you describing uh, the nature of the books that it sounded like it would make for a great. Uh, he said miniseries. It's a full series. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. What is um, What would you say is the most uh, rewarding part of, of this uh, thing that's happened in your life, becoming an author and, and writing the books? What's the most re rewarding part of it for you? Well, the first most rewarding part was just holding the book the first time that it came out, but I think it's given me a different perspective. Uh, you know, when you talk about what is success, success used to be for me working for somebody else and having a career. Uh, I worked in human resources for, for my, my work a day world and I'm not working anymore, but this is so much more satisfying that I'm working for myself and everything that I do either uh, adds to that success or is a lesson not to do that again. Right. <laughs> so I think that's the most rewarding part is that this is me. I, this is all me. I'm, uh, and I think it's, it's been successful and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of what I've accomplished. Well, well good for you. You, sh you should be. Uh, anybody who, uh, who follows a, a passion and, and follows it through to, to create something, uh, I, in my view, is a success no matter what happens with it monetarily. You know, a lot of people, and unfortunately, my headphones keep slipping back, uh, unfortunately, too many people who 
who go down the road of authorship and, and for whatever reason, whether they've been driven to it or find themselves somehow accidentally becoming involved in it, too many of them all judge they, their success on how it does uh, financially. And that's a, that's a dangerous uh, way, bad way to set yourself up for failure because too many books uh, and too many creative endeavors in general are, are, are out there for every single one to be a financial success. And I think people need to understand that. I have a lot of aspiring authors who, uh, for one reason or another, uh, have, and most of it, I think, has to do with the cover, as, as you kind of alluded to before. Uh, but uh, a lot of them are just so frustrated with, I put all this effort into writing, and why isn't it getting more attention? Why, why can't I get any traction? Why can't I get more sales and all that stuff? And, you know, I... I it's nice to be rewarded and nice that people find your work. Of course, it's important. But I, for me, I think the process of writing or the process of creating has to be your your beginning um, motivation. As yours was, you were just trying to kill some boredom, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. There's, there's something very special about, uh, you know, someone you respect and admire, um, whether it be a family or a colleague or, or uh, another writer who reads your work and loves it. And that's very rewarding. Right. Are you building a community of fans of, of fans of your, your book where you get to know the, uh, the readers and get to know some of the people, some of your fans, I'm going to call them fans because it's, it's not, <laughs> that's what they are. They're fans. Uh, do you get to know some of them on a personal basis by uh, community, whether it's online community or book signings or any of that kind of stuff? Absolutely. I actually meet a lot of readers um, at uh, local farmers markets and Christmas craft fairs. I did a Christmas craft fair locally two years ago. And um, I've had people that were at that craft fair that seek me out looking for the next book in the series. And it's, it's wonderful to hear them talk about it. And they recognize the places I set them locally. So it's set in uh, on the coast where I live and and for them to recognize the the stores and recognize some of the landmarks uh, that are in those books. It's fun. It's terrific fun. I had a, a, a lady over in uh, England, uh, Pat McDonald, who's also a, an author. I didn't know her before this. And since then, you know, we exchanged emails and, and we're in touch. Um, so there, it, it's just been a really, really good experience. Uh, I love the people who write to me. I have a woman in South Africa that writes to me who um, I just treasure getting emails from from people who have read the book and uh, or books and enjoyed them and can't wait to see what else I'm putting out. And that's very rewarding. Of course it is. I I would think it would be extremely rewarding and uh, satisfying. And for all the stuff that we complain about about the internet and all the negative sides about it, the fact that what you just alluded to exists, I think is a, a, a nice offset in a positive direction that we don't consider how, how the world has become. Uh, we are able to develop these communities around a, uh, a common interest in a way that we could never do before. And I think that's extremely gratifying for the artist and for the creator. And I'm, I'm glad that you get to experience it. Um, so uh, we've talked about the books. The latest book is called Wings of Prey. But again, I would start with Secret Sky. The links are in the description. Any uh, um, final thoughts before we, we say goodbye for today? Oh, no, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here and a gr great conversation. So interesting. Thank you very much. Really appreciate oh, it. And thanks to your sponsors. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, you, you've pre provided a lot, uh, wh whether you know it or not, I think you've provided a lot of value to uh, your colleagues and, and people who uh, aspire to 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 have the success that you have and people who are just considering starting writing all those people uh you've created both uh provided both value in your insight into what to expect from from the, what they're about to take on and also uh some inspiration and and, mo and motivation for a lot of people so i i wish you continued success and i i hope you, uh, we've done some value to you and people will check out your books uh, and I thank you completely for uh, for this time today. 
Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. And bye for now. This episode is brought to you by Put Me in the Story. Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code ORIONQ. JP McLean, folks, uh, very interesting. I hope you will check out her books. Uh, You know... um, the, the part about the whole supernatural stuff and the paranormal and all that stuff, that's always been an interest for me. Of course, that's how my roots in radio started years ago. I'm always interested in that stuff and belief systems that make uh, that, that surround that stuff. So um, I know a big part of our audience is interested in uh, supernatural thrillers and paranormal stuff just from the get-go. Hope you will check out her books. I hope you uh, aspiring authors and successful authors uh, even and people who have been in the game for a long time have found some value in this program and I thank you for coming today. I hope you will come back and tell your friends about it and subscribe. Go to my YouTube channel and subscribe there and share this episode with anybody who you might uh, think We'll find value in it. And uh, till tonight, we actually have another edition of Meet the Author on the 8 p.m. edition tonight, which is kind of unusual. Usually uh, uh, those are reserved for the 1 o'clock. Lorna Mackey uh, will be with us. And she's a romance writer. And, um, you know, romance is generally uh, not for the guys. (laughs) But I I urge you guys to give it a chance and and, uh, bear with us and see if there's something uh, there that you can learn and uh, enjoy from that uh, conversation. That will be at 8 p.m. Eastern. So until then, I'm Matt Napa for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a wonderful rest of your day and bye for now.
listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. 